Hello, welcome to Tip Manor Podcast. We're back again, and this time it it's a happier occasion. And we've got a full five-a-side outfit for today. So you've got me, James. Uh, Connor, you're back again. Wagwan. Wagwan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good. Aren't you just meant to say good or something? After that, you've just eaten a cake, a fruit cake. How was it? I have, yeah. I just had some of my auntie's fruit cake. It was very nice. Very, very nice. I'm, I'm ready to pod now. Now I'm all fruit caked up. Fruity. Uh, ben, you return. What's going on? I do. Well, it's no cake, but I think there's a lot of <laughs> humble pie on this podcast today. Oh. Well, I don't I think... Um, yeah. Well, maybe we don't. Actually, I didn't, we'll get to that in a minute. I don't think we were too bad in the last pod. I listened I, back just to check a little bit. I think I think I, could, I should probably get it out of the way now, but I'm sorry for my negativity in the last podcast. <laughs> It'll all come crashing down on Tuesday, Connor. It will. It will. We'll be like, yeah, and we said this. We said happened. this. It's like quoting me in the last podcast. Oh, dear. Um, right, and then Jack, you're Hello. back. How's it I going? You yeah. had a bit of a break. I had a bit of a break. In, in, in the meantime, you three wrote off our season. Um, <laughs> we've then won three in a row when we're in the playoffs for the first time. So, um, yeah, it's been a bit bit up and down in Tamana land. Yeah, it has. Um and just so we can get a bit of, you know, consistency back on the pod, we have John Huddleston back with us after a lengthy time off. John, you have become a father. Should we expect a bit more maturity from you? You're a, you're a father figure now. What are we going to get from John Huddleston Abs- back on the pod? Absolutely none of that. This is my escape. So I'm, uh, <laughs> but no, me and Jack, me, me and Jack had a word and thought we need to go back and uh, sort these. Uh, these guys out with their um their views but could you know the only bit of negativity is it could go all tin tin pot and then everything you were saying probably was you know had its moments so i wouldn't feel too bad yeah i mean we finished the last pod by saying that like the pressing questions were is the season over we were all just like yes have we underachieved we're all just like yes is kr the right man to take us forward i think we all said yes um but with a few buts there but let's not worry about any of that. It's been three games since we did our last pod. We've scored 13 goals since the last pod. We've had a record equaling away win. Uh, we've got nine points in the bag and we're in the playoff places for the first time this season. So again, this should be a more positive pod. Um, Can I also thank the uh, four, maybe five listeners who wished me happy birthday <laughs> and gave proof that somebody does actually listen to the end of the podcast. It was greatly appreciated. Yeah, that was a I, that was a nice moment for me. Yeah, I didn't think anyone really got to the end, so that was great. It was great for you, and it was great for us. So, yeah, yeah. Thanks for those Much people love. who listened to the end. Um, yeah, right. Other news that's kind of funny and positive is uh, John. Well, Swindon obviously got smashed again yesterday, and John Sheridan um, is kind of decide. It was weird. He's kind of said he wants to resign, but he hasn't quite resigned yet. I don't know if anything else has happened today, but. Swindon at bottom of the league. They're doing terrible. Um, how many points are they up to, Sorry, I couldn't resist that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even how know. Many point- I'm just so how happy to see them down there. Yeah, they're, uh, here we go. They're seven points off safety. Lost the last, at least the last five games in a row. Uh, they've, I think they've, con- con- have they conceded the most goals in yeah, the league as well? Yeah, they've conceded 78. Wow. 
It's good going that. So fair play, John Sheridan. We're big fans, to be fair. He did have a quote. There was a quote um, in his post-match reaction to Wimbledon where he said, I don't think it's doing my health any good. It's not doing anyone's health any good watching us with the way we're getting beat week in, week out. And I think, John, we'll beg to differ on that front. We're having a great time. <laughs> do you, do you I feel think much he just healthier. Thought, do you think he just thought, like, if I quit now, when I go for my next interview, they'll be like, okay, yep, success here, success here. No relegations in the last couple of years. Yep, your job's yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I do. And I also wonder who's going to take... He, he even referenced like someone else coming in that might be able to like work a miracle. It's like no one's gonna, no one with any clout is taking that job, are they? No one wants no. that on their CV. It's gonna be the assistant. Like, I mean, I slightly have a slightly different view, and I like Swindon to be in the same league as us for one, two, th- like two or three years, and then get relegated, so we can have a few derby, or we get promoted and leave them behind. But this yeah. seems a little bit too quick for us to not have had a a proper season of derbies, but. Well, beg to differ. Needs some positivity at the moment, though. Yeah, absolutely. Jack, were you surprised that, like, so looking at Swindon, I was looking at the goals scored table and then the goals conceded, and they were obviously bottom um, when it came to goals conceded. But we were now third, given this recent run of form, we're now third in the league in terms of goals scored. And it's not ridiculous to say we could even catch back up and be top looking at the... I'm I'm getting too optimistic again, aren't I? But... (laughs) I didn't realise that was a thing until I pulled up. Well, it's been all over the place because obviously we had the horrendous start and then we had the 12-match unbeaten run where we were scoring goals for fun. Then we stopped scoring and now we started scoring again. So we've been kind of inconsistent with that all the way through the season. But yeah, I don't know if everyone else has stopped scoring or whether we've just started and it's coincided with catching up. Because everyone talks about Peterborough being free scoring, but we're only seven goals behind them. Yeah, but I think that's amazing, to be fair. It's one of them that's just crept up. It's usually with stats, we're kind of on it and we keep tabs as things go on. But I just noticed that, I suppose, 13 goals in three games massively helps. Um, Ben, did you listen to the Five Minutes fans forum? Because I didn't really. No, neither did I. Okay, Connor? No. Okay, anyone? (laughs) I mean, Tiger... I've had a baby. I haven't got five minutes. That's my skill. Tiger just said, <laughs> basically, the summary was Tiger said we're getting in the playoffs and that was it. I Didn't he say, because they play it back, don't they, in the pre-match um, kind of coverage? And I, I think I was I was like loosely lis- listening, but I swear someone asked him about the stadium and he said there will be something significant happening by the end of this year. But I may have just like heard what I wanted to hear. Um, but he said the same thing about the takeover. A question did come in that said something along the lines of, like, what's the latest? Are you still the majority kind of shareholder? And he said nothing has changed. But then there's still sources in the like Indonesian media saying it's already done and dusted. But it just seems so... We talked about this before, didn't we? It just seems so bizarre, Ben, for it to all be released like big press release, everyone, you know, coordinating that at the same time for then everything to be quiet and then it be referred to as speculation. Yeah, there's there's something missing here that we're not getting, but you'd like to think it's it's done for the right reasons. It might not have yeah. been coordinated. I mean, it it wasn't necessarily a press release. I don't think would have would have done it. But it it was the Telegraph, Oxford Mail, and BBC Sport within about a minute of each other all put something out. Was how it happened. 
Yeah, they do. All, they do all. They do all follow each other, like as in. But yeah, there's. You got to ask who was who was trying to get it out there, who would want it out there, um, and maybe Tiger's tone, sort of sexy, wasn't quite looped in on that. I don't know. That's pure guesswork. But. Yeah. Um. Right. Is there any other news? Has Brannigan caught another fish, Connor? Do you know of? No, I don't think so. No, he's still no. probably just high on life after catching the last one. True, it was a big fish. What was it? A pike? I want to say pike. Yeah, big fish. Carp. <laughs> Other carp. fish. No What's news better, on a pike or a carp? Jack's totally struggling to hold it together with the fish talk. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to know, like, see a league table of fish. I know it's mainly based on weight, but, like, is a small, like, carp better than Seriously, a big pike? James, can we, can we just <laughs> go back to the football, please? Um, right, okay. Connor, you can start us off. Crew away. Um, this was a weird... It was a weird one. We started badly again, in a sense, and crew were all over us. They got kind of clean through right inside the penalty area, missed a chance. Sykes then got played clean through with some lovely... Pla- I forget if it was Henry or Elliot Lee that um, played him through. Um, but it was one-on-one and then missed it, and then we're kind of thinking, oh, God, it's going to be another one of them, and maybe, you know, we're going to bottle this the first you know you know every game's a must win and then maybe we're going to mess it up here and then what a mental how, how many goals did we score five goals within the space of like 20 minutes or something like that maybe even less mental 20, yeah 24 minutes something like that was it yeah um I, do you know what it feels like it was an age ago i can't even remember oh, how no, we started yeah. i know i can't actually remember how we started other than you saying we started poorly um so I might not even be the best person to wrap, to, to start this one off. The, the first goal was, um, you know, KR talks a lot about wanting to have the fullbacks crossing to one another and that's our best route he for goals it. or something. Absolutely he loves, loves it. it. And we've been doing it a lot as we'll get to anyway. So maybe he's got a point. Yeah. So that was the first, the first goal was a long cross, Sykes flick on near post, Ruffles decent header. Um and then James Henry uh, nabs one on 40 minutes, like four minutes later. And that was mainly Jack thinking back. This was Barker, um, really good wing play, cutting in um, and then playing a ball back. Matty Taylor, Dremery just completely swiped at it, probably claims the assist. And then uh, Henry just tucks it in, didn't he? Yeah, and it was Henry being the, the late arriver to the box, which meant he was there, which I think we said on previous pods we'd been missing. But since he's come back from his injury, he seems to become this player that will either create or be around to be on the end of creation. Yeah. And then our third goal, which was obviously on the cusp of half-time, um, Elliot Moore, got he had a couple of touches in the box, didn't he? he Managed to poke it in, but it was from a Henry Cross. And Connor, I guess like the one thing that I am really noticing at the moment is James Henry's back on set pieces. And we look terrifying from them at the moment i heard on the radio today that across the efl um you're there's a three percent likelihood based on stats that you'll score from a corner so what's that less than one in 20 um but like i feel that's i think our odds of or our percentage has massively gone up um in the last few games based on how good james henry's delivery has been yeah we spoke about henry didn't we a couple of weeks ago about how he's one of these players that when he's fully fit you know he's he's and he's firing firing on all cylinders. He's uh, such a key player for us, and I'm really glad he's kind of found his feet again since coming back from his injury. Because 
I've always been a fan of Henry and he's always done he's done well for us, particularly last season. Obviously he had a bit of a rough start, but he's definitely finding his feet towards the end of this season. And it's a it's a big boost to have him to have him playing the way he is. And also playing in that slightly, you know, slightly deeper role in well not deeper role in midfield, but not playing off the wing. Oh yeah. That's so it's like the kind of position I I like him in. We spoke about this in the the last podcast when we were discussing wingers. I think Henry is more suited to a central role personally. And uh, I think he's showing that in the in the last few games. And obviously like Jack just said about the arriving late into the box and that sort of thing, that's where where he uh, where he shines because technically he's a fantastic player. Um, so yeah, I'm glad he's glad he's back to to his kind of old self. You're seeing him we make definitely... like 15, 20 yard passes in the final third that are I don't think anyone else in the team can probably play. Maybe Branniken a push, and that one for Sykes was sublime to get him in, and obviously Sykes missed. Now I th- he must have something like four or five assists, three goals, and set up multiple chances in this three games. It's ab- absolutely huge. Yeah, exactly. And Ben, we've definitely kind of, I think if people went back and kind of captioned or to like grabbed clips of us abusing Henry, like we used to, we weren't ever sure on the pod about him playing in that more reserve role. And we always used to talk about a need for him to be out on the wing. Um, but it is, it seems to be absolutely clicking at the moment. Yeah, I definitely think at the moment that's the best place for him to play. He always did seem to to do better when he was out on the wing. So I guess naturally, as soon as he drops inside and doesn't play well and doesn't have those long shots that he he struggled with at the first half of the season just to get any sort of long-distance shots, let alone goals. Um, I think maybe it's just the the injury and the time away has just revitalised him a bit. Yeah. I think it's that desire is certainly back there. And I think if he's used in the right way in in that central midfield... I think he really is a good asset to us. Yeah, absolutely. And Jack, it's, it was nice to go in at half time with a 3 0 win because we had quite a bit of that last season. And we kind of got used to it, especially at home for a run of games. Um, but it felt like the game was kind of done and dusted. And it was just about, you know, we made a load of early subs, didn't we, second half? And it was just, what can we do from there on in? Yeah, go, going in half time, 3 0. You know, I think the late goal by Moore kind of sewed it up, but to to score straight away after half time as well, because it was one of those where if Crew had scored instantly, you start going, "Oh, hold on a minute," but Barker just decided he was going to seal the game on his own, um, and it was job done after what forty seven minutes. And what I can see, Connor nodding aggressively like <laughs> that. That goal, Connor. I just couldn't believe it. He made, yes. didn't he? He came back, won the ball, and we've we've given him a bit of jip for that in the past. So he actually made a tackle, yeah. then megged someone, and then he was, you know, he, he didn't off, meg him, he? did he? he? Kind of played it like ran the side of him. Of him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then he was off, wasn't he? Just got his head down, and you know, there was only one, there was only kind of one way that was going, and uh, I like how direct that run was. It was, you know, it was slightly on the angle. It was more towards the goal. It wasn't down the line. You knew exactly what you wanted to do with it, and the execution was was perfect. And that he fainted inside past another defender, and then the right footed shot into the corner. It was a fantastic goal. It's just a, a, the yeah. type of goal that a player like Barker you you, you expect well, not expect him to score because I mean what I mean by that is the fact that he's so direct when he takes players on and he likes to drift in and have a shot. So he nailed that perfectly, um, and it just goes to prove what an asset he, he is and has been for us. Uh, when he does things like well, when he scores goals like that, because you know he, he sets up quite a lot of chances, we know that. Um, but seeing that side of him is yeah. is, is great. 
He's a quality player. It's, it's good to have it's good to have John back on because you've had a bit of a up and down opinion of Barker, John. Where are you kind of settling now? And do you think like moments like that significantly like kind of talk significantly add to his value or make it harder for us to potentially acquire him for League One next season? I think it definitely makes it much harder for us to acquire him. And I'd have him every day of the week to, for that side of his game. Absolutely. I get very, very annoyed about his defensive side of things. And he's 24 years old. like So some of that stuff should have been explained to him and drummed into him. Um, I think if we had him in full time, some games he wouldn't, he'd be a bit of a luxury player. And we'd have to have the right midfield set up to do the work to cover for him. So... But then again, you know, how many games is he going to just rip a team apart? It's probably it would be worth it overall. My final thing is, I could see us wasting a lot of time on signing on trying to sign him. I mean, he could be the new he could be the new Marcus Brown, which will come up every every three months. Kr will mention him. So, but I'd absolutely have him because he can do stuff like that. And he's he's only twenty four. So, if we can get him in the right system, then, yeah. then great. Yeah, I th- I think a lot of the any or any of the transfer talk that surrounds him will be um, largely based on his relationship with Carl Robinson because I, I don't I don't personally think we'll be able to get hold of him. Um, I think he's one of those players that Rangers as a football club will probably be looking f- you know to sell him for a decent fee and I don't I don't necessarily he's think out, he's be able out of to contract isn't he Oh is he Oh is he Okay yeah. I didn't know that That's that's fair enough I didn't know that But in that case that's probably even more of a more of a point that it's probably going to rely on the relationship as well with with Kr because if he doesn't want to come and play for us. Under under the current manager, then there's no way he's going to come. So we have to wait and see what how that kind of manifests. I, I just think a, a lower a lower mid championship club can probably pay him like seven eight grand a week or six grand something like that fairly easily off the bat, even if it's kind of a bit of a punt. And he's probably think he probably thinks himself, I'm a championship player. If you're playing, yeah, the Rangers, I imagine so he would. Yeah, let's just enjoy it. I think. But also, hang on a minute, we're in the playoffs now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> who knows we won't be in the championship next year <laughs> true yeah. wow Connor's changed his tune <laughs> all the points uh, sorry Jack no I was just going to say the, the wing positions for next year are interesting aside from the Barker chucks I don't think we've actually got a contracted winger for next year unless you call in Adji a winger because Lee's on loan Tradipo's on loan Barker's on loan Henry's out of contract Hall's out of contract Ford's out of contract. Um, so you can see, I think John's right, I think we'll see a lot of time being spent trying to get Barker into the club. And do we end up in a situation where we miss out on plan Bs because we've spent three months trying to get Barker? Yeah. I don't, is Henry out of contract, by the way? Yeah. Do we have an option? Or is he actually just out of contract? I think he's just completely out of contract. Wow. Okay. I thought, I thought, he was, I thought we had an option. Yeah. I didn't think he was a problem because I would absolutely take him and then he's on the right wing. Yeah. For me, he's still I still kind of think he's more on the right wing and then some games he, he can play in the middle. But I don't think he's that third midfielder that we need to nail in mm. sort of future transfers. Anyway. I, I, I still think if we're looking to make that step up and act like a big club, then you, you reference kind of 7, 8K. I think that is, you know, wages. I think that is the type of, you know, ballpark we need to be working in if we really want that to solidify that kind of push top six, if, you know, if we're still in this league next year. Um, and, like, it's... The only thing I was wondering is, does he fit the model completely at 24? 
He probably does, doesn't he? Um, I wonder what like the threshold is of that model. Like if he, he he's into next yeah. year, he's then twenty five, heading to twenty six, and if he isn't quite cutting it, then it's it's a bigger gamble potentially. But if you're not paying a fee at the beginning yeah. of it, maybe less so. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out with Elliot Lee as well, because obviously Elliot Lee's twenty five now, twenty six. So it'd be interesting to see whether or not he's in the fold for um, a potential transfer as well. Yeah. Elliot Lee's an interest. I know we're kind of going off a bit here. Yesterday, mm. when we were watching the game, um, uh, God, who were we playing yesterday? Gillingham. Gillingham. <laughs> it's all blurring into one. Um, Elliot Lee, like he, he is a tidy player, but he kept, I know I'm nitpicking, but he kept passing mm. the ball behind people. Yeah, he gave the ball away a lot yesterday. Yeah, he did. And, he did. And it became noticeable where we were all kind of calling it out when we were watching it. Um, so, but I'm still. He, you know, he's actually been pretty. He's had some good end products, so we'll have to see with him. And he's got a good beard, as we all know. Very good um, beard. Right, let's finish up crew then. So Brannigan um, thought, I'll have some banter and take a penalty after Sykes got, <laughs> got fouled. Um, then just decided to miss it so we could get an open play goal. There was a bit of a, bit of a comical <laughs> reaction from KR after the game on that bit. Um, and then what was really good, Aji came on and then put a pinpoint cross in for Sam Winnell. Um, at this point, a hairy Sam Winnell, who is now revitalized with a shaved haircut. And he looks, I like his shaved hair. I'm much I'm much more down for the shaved hair Sam Winnell. It looks like he's lost like four stone at the same time as well. He looks a, a lot younger. I thought, well. I thought he was Sam Long jogging back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, um, other, the other thing to mention anyway, about Aji in, from the crew game, just to sort of, um, is he he was just before he scored, he kind of burst through the middle of the pitch and he played. He looked like he was just going to go straight for goal and shoot, and he actually stopped. He stopped, played this really intelligent pass to Henry just inside the sort of um the box. Yeah, on the Henry right, should have I remember it. And I was thinking, I think the penny might have dropped because if I was a manager, I'd be like, that's exactly what I want you to do. Um, so I'm really hoping that's that's a big thing for next season as well. He, he, he did have a moment yesterday, though, where he was uh, driving <laughs> along. I don't know if Ben or anyone remembers this. He was driving down the right. He took on like three of their players and absolutely just stormed into the box. And he could have laid it back or he could have gone again for the fight to take on the final player and he just dwindled. Um, didn't say, but didn't say I, all I think you're right. <laughs> some pennies have fallen out of his pocket. There may be some left. Do you remember that, Ben? Yeah, watching it. Yes, I think I guess his natural instinct is still, I want to score goals. I'm a striker, and it's that you know he's, he's got to train himself, as John says, to be a bit more aware, look up, make the passes to other people. I think in the short time he gets in games at the moment, Adji, I think he does very well. Not just with the generally he's brought on kind of his for his hold up play, if we're in control of a game, just to kill them and nullify any threats. But I think going forward. Yeah, he needs he needs a bit more, I guess, calmness with his decision making at, at that final ball or the shot or the cross. But I think to have someone who who can run at players and can take them on 70, 80 minutes into a game, I think is a really useful feature to have. Yeah, I'd like for sure. I'd like to see him start, but then I, I, would, I can't drop Taylor. Winnell's playing really well. It's it's unfortunate for him that he's got two players ahead of him. He hasn't really done anything wrong. No. Um... But he did, Jack, he did well yesterday, didn't he, when he came on? I remember Tony, who was watching with us, was um, really happy with his hold-up play, and he kept on going, well done, Aggie. Well, I just, it keeps coming back to me. Yeah, he, um, 
I think KR referenced it in one of his interviews saying they kind of went to a 4-2-1-2-1. Is that the right number of players? Where Adji was sat in behind Winnell and Taylor. It actually worked quite well because Adji was, I hate the term, but fluid. He pulled out wide, he sat in, he held the ball up, he took players on. And he, he seems to be getting a lot more kind of all-round as a player rather than a bit of a one-trick kind of speed merchant. He, he is becoming quite an intelligent footballer. Yeah. He's definitely one to hold on to to try to mature rather than risk him going somewhere else somewhere mm-hmm. else and getting 20 odd goals a season because I could see it I could see it happening. Um but yeah, he'll still be with us next season. Um conscious we're probably confusing the shit out of everyone by jumping around <laughs> the games here, but oh well. Um <laughs> 6-0 though. Away like that was what away I think um, we're obviously putting a load of emphasis on the five-game blocks, and that was there was still Shrewsbury to go after that. But that kind of momentum and confidence, and all the spice that we had with Crew um, John earlier in the season, the COVID rivalry, um, it was just it was a really nice moment, and we carried that into the the Shrewsbury game, didn't we? Yeah, the kind of it didn't really bubble up that much before the game, I thought, and then after. The result, everyone was like, oh, yeah, you know, inject that crew and all that sort of like, <laughs> you know, hilarious gags and all that sort of stuff, which was all good, all good fun. But then there was no beef between Artel and Robinson. It was all a bit tame. I mean, the only slight thing I would say is I did think crew were on the beach, so to speak, like they were pretty poor and like, you know, but I think that's just where you get to the start of the season, you go, right, is this team on the beach, as I like to call it? And uh you know, you move on to the next game, and but they might have been a. Candidate they could have as well. gone. They would have gone above us, though, if they beaten us. If they beat us in that game, I think. Yeah, no, I th- they were com- certainly competitive in it, but I think after like two or three went in, they just sort of down tools really, yeah. and sort of thought, well, we didn't really have much of a chance anyway. Yeah, true. So we we went into the Tuesday game against Shrewsbury, um, had a really good. Again, actually, a little bit of a slow start first 10 minutes, but then we got a corner. And as we talked about earlier, James Henry's delivery has just been amazing. As you referred to earlier, John, he got a couple of assists in this game. That one was from a corner. Atkinson gets his first goal. Um, I was surprised, Connor, that was his first goal. He seems to always be there and thereabouts, getting headers and flicks and running 600 (laughs) yards to... There's a great little, great little thing attached to this goal as well. My, one of my friends, he uh, last last season, he put a quid on every single game for Rob Dickey to score a goal, right? And he never, <laughs> he never scored a goal. So this season, he thought he was going to do the same for Atkinson, but he ended up kind of thinking, "Nah, I'm not going to, not going to do it." Until two games ago, he started to put a quid on Atkinson to score. So Atkinson scored, didn't he? Obviously in this game, and he won twenty eight quid from it. So we were like, you know, you're laughing. Problem is, he lost 48 quid last season from yeah, Dickie not scoring a goal. We're trying to work it out. I was yeah. going to say. Well, he should have so, put it on Dickie this weekend as well after he, he should have, yeah. to smash it in from 40 yeah. yards. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, Lewis was happy with, with the uh, Atkinson header. But, yeah, it was, it was great to see him on the score sheet. I, I'm actually quite happy for him because, it, again, like you, like you just referenced there, with the way he, like, Miranda's – that's the right word, isn't it? Miranda's – the you know, his way up the pitch and often meanders. Meanders. That's it. That's the word. Who's Miranda? (laughs) Miranda. (laughs) She's that comedian, isn't she? Um, Yeah. So, yeah. The way he carries the ball up the pitch, I'm just going to (laughs) go. 
Susan, head- Susan is way up the side of the pitch. Absolute head loss. Uh, um, yeah, the way he carries the ball up the pitch is brilliant. And uh, you, he often gets himself into goal scoring opportunities. I mean, he did against Gillingham, didn't he? Yesterday, where he. There was one, wasn't he there? He tripped, he got yeah, to the box. He the box and it to Taylor when he should have just leathered it with his left foot. But yeah, I, I, it was really good to see him on the score sheet. I mean, I, I have a lot yeah. of. Uh, a lot of respect for Atkinson. I think he's done really well this season. He's come on leaps and bounds um, and he looks very good on the ball. So hopefully yeah. he can grab a few more for next season as well um, yeah. from corners. Because he's a big lad, you know, he, he's he's good in the air. So it would be nice to see him score a few more from corners, make him more of a, you know, a threat. He's definitely a threat no matter what. He's been a bit unlucky, I think. Um, but anyway, so that puts 1-0 up. Uh, we then went... Tuna up just before half time, a good kind of spin and finish that kind of wrong footed the keeper from Elliot Lee. And you're going in Tuna up half time, feeling good. Uh, Jack, that that guy they had, uh, Chapman, we were watching him saying, I remember we were pulling his Wikipedia up watching it, weren't we? Saying, where's, where's he from? He's on loan from Blackburn, I think, wasn't he? And he looked like a good player. Uh, yeah, he's out of contract in the summer as well. So um, he wouldn't, I wouldn't mind KR. Um, Seeing if we could get hold of him because he looked he looked really good and actually I think he was part of the Sheffield United team that got promoted out of League One on loan from Middlesbrough. Um, so he know he knows this level. I think he's still only quite young, so he knows this level. And as I say, he looked a really good player, by far and above their best player. Uh, scored a decent goal and could have scored in the last minute as well when he hit the post. So that was my takeaway yeah. from the game. To be honest, was he was really good. Taylor missed a sitter but scored a better one. And we were actually quite comfortable in the end, somehow. That, that, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, Ben, when they scored that goal and then Matty Taylor went clean through afterwards and it kind of, like, bobbled onto his left foot and then you're going, oh, you kind of saw it ebbing away as he got there. But then once he missed that, were you... I think it shows great character, doesn't it, for us to come back and see the game out and... yeah. I mean, how many times have we... We watch games, somebody's missed a chance like that. They've gone down the other end and scored. Or we end up losing, you just think, ah, oh, did you do that? And especially with Taylor. Given how, how few opportunities, genuinely one-on-one he gets with the keeper now, you're thinking, well, he's going to take advantage of this. And then he doesn't. And you just think, oh, okay. And then, I don't know whether, because he missed that, he thought, you know what, I'm just going to shoot from a ridiculously tight angle and score. <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, it was a great assist from Henry, just sort of that through ball that Slightly splits the defence. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know how my last thought was oh he's going to shoot you think he's going to pull it back or cross it but somebody on the um, one of the players on one of the, the videos the club put out on YouTube the moments you missed it's the uh, how did you score that and miss the other one kind of joking <laughs> comment and be like you shouldn't have scored that you should have scored the other one but who cares you scored and yeah, yeah I guess yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's going to help his confidence no end you miss that you want to forget it straight away and get the goal not too long after perfect you mentioned um, earlier on, actually, like James Henry's kind of revitalization, like having a bit of time out or whatever. But what I know, John, we've talked about it before, like the amount of shots Henry was taking on earlier on in the season. Um, I think eventually a couple when it won at Rochdale absolutely flew in, didn't it, away? And there was a couple of good moments, but generally he wasn't converting the chances and he was taking a lot of shots on when there were other decisions potentially to be made. Um, but this was a really good opportunity, like like a good example, sorry, where he's using that vision and he's, that kind of relationship with Taylor um, was kind of back in play with that particular goal. But that's what we need. Like we know we need that bit of composure on the edge of the box, don't we? 
Did you have a question? <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where I say words and then you like keep talking afterwards. No, no, no. no it was it was all a very well made point and um, kind of the sort of things I was going to say. Um, yeah, no. He, he's like one of those that like. John's temperament's just gone since he's had a kid. It's just, oh, yeah. Uh, I want old John back. Yeah, yeah, I want old John back as well. But, <laughs> it was a talk, th- th- those, those are the um, Those are the assists to uh, try and regain composure, where, like, you, you want to play as, like, because it's such a clever pass, and I don't think anyone else in the team could have could have played it. So, <laughs> keep talking, James. Me. Yeah, keep talking, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. anyway, smash finish, great, free one up, and then um, Sam Long decides to celebrate his three year contract by um, scoring with his left foot into the top corner, which was which was lovely. Four one, ten goals in two games, looking good. We then Steve Evans brings his merry bunch into town. Um, <laughs> Jack, didn't we put them in some weird place to get changed? Kr after the game says something about something about it as well we put them in the um south stand executive lounge or whatever where we oh, put where, where, bad, where we put lincoln after their positive test so it was much better than the concrete concourse that gillingham gave us at their place where you could stand with a mobile phone and hear the the team talk but Didn't we I say before it's... the game that we weren't you know we were trying to play the high and mighty like no we're not going to put them in like a poor cabin 10 miles away and then yeah, after, after, seem to have sort of done that. Well, after, after, after the Lincoln game, we came out and said all away teams will not be in the dressing room now. We've seen that it works well. Um, okay. But yeah, I, it would have been better if we'd put them in the club shop and made them walk over the car park, I think. <laughs> no, yeah. I, was, I was thinking we should have put them in the bowlplex. Yeah, yeah, thrown bowling bad, balls at Evans. Yeah, it'd be brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't knock him over, though, would they? You see him as a bowling ball, he wouldn't fit down the fucking aisle, would he? <laughs> Steve Evans. Ha ha. Um, anyway, so first half in this game, I think Gillingham going into the match, like we probably all thought it's going to be tougher than the previous two fixtures. But again, we started poorly. And um, Ben, we were kind of just camped in our half, weren't we? For the whole of the first half and their goal was coming. It was relentless. It, it was very much like a few other games this season where it just looks like they wanted it more. They were pressing high, they were closing down, they were making fewer mistakes. It just seemed that every time we got the ball, we were panicking and making the wrong decisions and they fully deserved to be leading at half-time. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, pre- that's what I put down. Like They were pressing high, high energy, much more urgency. And that was the frustrated thing we've said in other games. Like I know Tony referenced it when we talked about Northampton away. Like... It just looked like they wanted it more, but maybe nerves or whatever came in. But we didn't have Barker. We didn't have Sykes. And John, on the kind of transition, as we'd like to say, or on the counter, when you're missing those types of players and you've got, what, Lee, Taylor and Shadipo, who doesn't have massive pace, you know, it's perhaps that's that gave Gillingham more, um, I don't know, impetus to just press us really deep in our half and not be too worried about a counter. It's still one of those things that's like one of the challenges with this team and that the midfield can be quite static at times. And one of the one of the real positives of having Brannigan as a DM is he should he can pick passes that are more progressive than say Gorin can. But then when you haven't got people who are mobile, 
kind of making runs, then it's going to fall apart a bit. And that's, as you say, without, without having someone like a Sykes or a Barker in the team, you've got Henry and Lee who are a bit more kind of like five, 10 yard movement types who are trying to sort of look for that, look for that gap. So I can see that, but then this is where it comes back to like, what's the plan if this is, a, if a team turns up and does right, we're going to play off the big guy up front, chase second balls, put it into mm-hmm. the channel like Peterbrook did and destroyed us 4-1. What's the plan against that? So that, that's, that's what it's, it's an issue we need to solve for next season because it's one of the, you know, fundamental issues that we talk about on this pod all the time. Yeah. Connor, what did you think about Gorin? He was on the bench, wasn't he, as well? So it was a bit of a statement that because he brought <clears throat> Anthony Ford in to sit alongside yeah. Brannigan and Henry and left Gorin on the bench. It obviously goes to show how KR feels about Brannigan's recent performances playing in that position. He's obviously extremely happy with the way he's playing in, in that slightly deeper role. And I would agree with that. I think he's been absolutely fantastic in that role. Um, I think he offers, like like John just said there, in terms of his array of passing and, and bringing us up the pitch, he offers a lot more than what Goring can do. Um, defensively, he, he obviously is not much of a tackler in comparison to Gorin. Um, but then we've said this many times as well, Gorin picks up ridiculous amount of unnecessary bookings and makes fouls in areas really shouldn't need to be done. You know, he fouls quite unnecessarily quite often and Brannigan doesn't seem to do that. So I think it was the right move to make. Uh, and I, you are right though, in terms of it being quite a broad move, bringing 40 in. But as we know, 40 didn't last the full 90. Um for probably quite a similar reason to what John just said there about how you know, the, the movement in front of Brannigan in the first half was was basically non-existent. So yeah. the fact that you know Brannigan's passing can be as brilliant as you as you like, but if you've got no movement in front of you, he's not going to pick out anyone. Um, so I still I, think I it was the right move. I would play Gorin over Brannigan. Like yeah, I would I would but, say generally I'd play Gorin over in that role definitely over Brannigan. I think it's kind of this is why defensive midfielders are so huge these days because if you've got one that can tackle positionally be solid and pass really well then they're worth their weight in gold whereas basically Goran can do half of that Brannigan can do the other Brannigan gets caught out and makes mistakes and decent midfielders will have him for breakfast in decent teams but he could learn the role over time so I'm not not sort of talking down I was going to say do you not think it was based on the opposition as well? Yeah, you could play him against like less. You, yeah, there's a bit of that. You could play him against yeah. lesser teams, and he'd, he'd have a field day. Like Henry could play in that role against, like what well, he saw against Rockdale, and he had an absolute field day. Um, yeah, but I, I'm not. I'm not being downbeat on Brannigan there at all. I'm, I just think there's a sort of a sadly not a happy house we can land in. Really. Go on, Jack. I was just going to say I think Brannigan playing deeper allows Henry to be more influential. Influ- oh, Better if if um, <laughs> if, if, if Henry Miranda. Miranda, Miranda if Henry's playing Miranda in the, uh, if Henry plays in the centre mid role, I think he's better with Brannigan behind him rather than alongside him. Yeah, is my yeah. general take on it. Um, and actually, I think we mentioned on the when we were watching the game yesterday, um, where is Brannigan's long term position? Because if KR's talking him up as this potential DM. Then do you keep Gorin as well? Can, do you want two players that you're deeming as a potential first choice defensive mid, um, or does Brannigan become a central midfielder, or does he play in the number ten that we've seen him do? So, it, yeah, the midfield. I mean, we keep coming back to this, but the midfield options for next year incredibly interesting, especially if he brings in new blood as well. 
or do you try or, or and does revisit he play, it? Yeah, yeah. Or does he play yeah. four two three one? Yeah. It didn't and work before with Gorin and Brannigan. Agreed. And yeah. Gorin openly said it doesn't really work, but that for me would be ideal. Um, but I agree with Jack. Like Brannigan's role is up in the air. It's also finding a, a decent ten, a decent player yeah. who can play ten because we don't have one. Elliot Lee, you know we, yeah, yeah, perhaps, but is you know uh, Elliot Lee and Henry when they operate uh, in this kind of the four one two three, whatever you want to call it, or four three three, whatever. They they often operate in that space. They try and come in as a ten, but we don't actually have a player who sits in that ten position and can play there regularly. If we play two behind him, um, so I think it's also another headache yeah. that if you if you get a, a decent ten who can actually link play up well and perhaps you know even go beyond players like Taylor and or even pick up at the edge of the box and, and arrive late, then you know perhaps playing Goran and Brannigan together would be an option. But until we find a solid 10 as well, I don't think that's going to happen. To, to be fair, like Ben, it's fair to say that Sykes, like he was, he had a bit of a knock, so he couldn't start yesterday, but Sykes in the last few games has been absolutely brilliant. Oh, he's much better than he has been. And going forward, he's, he's had so much more confidence to, to run with it, to drive forward, to pick the right passes. But I think again, that's because if he plays him in the position that suits him, he works if he's then trying to be putting him in a, in the last remaining slot because he's playing Goran and Brannigan as a two, or he's trying to play him in, out wide one week, middle of the next week, other week, the week after. Mm. I think it's difficult for him to get that run of games that gives him not just the consistency, but the confidence to be able to play the game he wants. I, I just think that twice what we saw against Crew is obviously he went clean through early on in that game. He won a penalty in that in that game. Um, he did really well, played brilliantly. I thought he was my man of the match against Shrewsbury as well. Um, so maybe there is something in his performances as well to drive from deep. And we know he's got that kind of turn of pace that may, perhaps others don't have. Um, it's in- it is interesting though. My One of the features I found of our midfield is the gaping hole, as I like to call it, that seems to just appear... When to, I remember, like we talked about the Lincoln game at home, which we obviously ended up winning. On it was on TV, and there was other other games. But often in in matches, just for whatever reason, with our tactics, we just seem to even with a holding midfielder, just have a massive disconnect between the defence and the midfield when opposition's going to break through the lines, and it doesn't look hard for teams to do it. But I don't know how. I'm you know I'm not a football expert or an analytics expert to be able to explain that, but. Jack, we've definitely talked about that, haven't we, at times, watching the games? Yeah. Um, I think it often comes from the fullbacks in KR's kind of attacking fullback thing. If they go forward, does anyone cover them? And then it looks a little bit kind of panic stations if someone breaks on us. We saw Lincoln's first goal where Hansen went charging down the right-hand side, yeah. didn't make the tackle, and then suddenly they were in. Um, I th- yeah, I, I think it's something we've consistently spoken about probably for the last two seasons as a weakness to our game. Um, and we haven't, as a team, haven't really quite found the fix for it. Yeah. But let's put a positive spin back on all the things again. <laughs> um, well, actually, no, let's let's bring it down before we go up. They Jordan Graham was doing well throughout the whole game. He, he cut across and Robbie Cundy scored. Played one game for us, I think, didn't he? Um then went down the leagues, came back up, went to Bristol City, then um, out on loan. 
But yeah, he he obviously notched a goal. That was on the 72nd minute. And I think all of us being honest, we're just saying, you know, we hadn't shown anywhere near enough. And I, I think we were saying watching the game, Ben, they look the more likely to get the second goal, especially as we started just throwing the kitchen sink at it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was, I thought, I'm, I thought it was directed towards Ben. I'd say it but, was. Yeah, I just, right. I, I'll pick it up. <laughs> yeah, they definitely looked the more likely to score. I, do you know what? I even said during the game, I remember saying it, they, f- the, the, the football that they play, right, as, as horrible and as ugly as it may be for some people, they do it quite effectively. And I think they really they really had us for, like say, for 70-odd minutes. They really did have us going and... Um, it was interesting what we said earlier. I, I can't remember if it was Jack or John that said it about how how do we cope with teams like this? And it's interesting because we ended up winning three yeah. two. But the thing is, is is that going to happen every time we play against a team that plays like that? No, it's probably the answer. Yeah, so it was almost it's... one of those. It was one of those kind of almost lucky lucky breaks in the last half an hour. I mean, yeah, okay, we played really well, but again, it was just the way they played. They they one thing I noticed in particular was. Our centre backs were really struggling against their their uh, big lad up front. He was doing such a great job for them, bringing players into play, and even Atkinson and Moore, who are very good in the air, were really struggling with him. And I think that actually playing against teams like like uh, Gillingham is kind of our Achilles heel. I think at times. Yeah. Although we're, although we still won three two, especially when we get pressed pressed. <laughs> but when we get pressed high, we do see we do we have struggled this season. And Jack, what's interesting, like obviously the most important thing in this turnaround was the speed in which we got the goal back, like that Winnell scored. But I remember even just like a minute or two minutes before that, like Connor makes a good point. Like when even when we had the ball, I remember Atkinson and Moore looking at each other, playing the ball around at the back, going, "Crap, we're two 0 down. Like what what do we do? You have the ball." And then more was like, no, you have it. And eventually, like, it just looked like we were out of ideas. But then Gilliam decided to sit back. And, yeah, do you not think the timing of that goal was the most? Oh, it was massive. Because if it had gone even five minutes longer, um, I think I think we were done. And I, I think I'm about to shock myself here. Steve Evans, as a manager, normally... I, I would imagine there's not many games in his career where his side has been 2-0 up and throwing it away because his tactics normally are pretty effective and it's game management that he encourages his team to adapt yeah. and all this kind of thing. You know this is being yeah. recorded, Jack, don't you? Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm expecting to like spontaneously combust or something. but um, And they tried I, it on as well, didn't they? Yeah. You know, I, when they were 2-0 up, I, I, they, they tried all the, the slowing down tactics. They tried all of that. You know, they... They they really did have a go at it, but I think the the, the crucial thing was they they suddenly sat back, having pressed us for the entire game. They suddenly let us go, and actually quite direct at times. And the third goal was kind of Brannigan, um, a good ball into the back post. But it it, it was really strange. It was the most like un Steve Evans way to see out a game, and the most un Oxford United way to win a game. Just a strange yeah. paradox that just occurred. Yeah. That is that is true. Winnell's goal was excellent as well. And it was the yeah. one time, I think Evans was saying afterwards, it was kind of the first time they left a player on the edge of the box with that much space and he punished them. And that was great for him. I remember Jerome saying post-match, like he didn't really think Winnell was that game-changing type player. But, you know, that was that was excellent from him. And then, yeah, to, to Jack's point, John, they sat back massively. 
Um, and then we had one of our classic fallback to fallback moments. Um, <laughs> which what? There was still Carlos what, te- to Cafu. Yeah, but that was just huge. And then you, you start to believe, don't you? you? wonder. I was just wondering what did Gillingham do here? Because they were, what, three points behind us. They need to win to maintain their playoff thing. I was just like, what's going to play out now? Their, their centre-backs or the defenders that got beaten for that were absolutely fuming. And they looked like they were like, how the hell has he just come out of nowhere and won that header? And it looked like their heads just went because they were like, how on earth has that got in, gone in? And I think that might have filtered through a bit and they sort of just lost their heads around how have we gone from this position it's almost jack's point they must be so well drilled to, to what to do in these situations so i think they just completely had a meltdown and um and then yeah of course the ball the next stage the ball comes back in again similar style and we know what happens so. yeah, yeah just mental that they sat back though like connor yeah. like so we- when it was two all and they need to get a win I mean, Steve just... Evans said, didn't he, in his in his post match interview, that he was he, well, he basically threw his players under the bus for a start. Um, <laughs> he did, yeah. But he was saying about oh, with some of the players in the dressing room were saying, oh, it's my fault, it's my fault. I'm sorry, I didn't pick up this, didn't pick up that. But I think you know, I think it was Jack what said that earlier. But you know, you think they'd be well drilled at this, and and clearly, uh, <laughs> they they crumbled a little bit towards the end, didn't they? I think the pressure that we were putting on them, it just it just paid dividends really. And I think that the crosses. Um, for both the goals were absolutely phenomenal balls into the box. Like they are tough balls to defend, and mm. Sam Long on both occasions has done an absolute wonderful job of getting in the back, getting on the end of them. I mean, the header was phenomenal. Like that he- it, getting above those really two players, was. it really was an emphatic header from that position. Um, and you know, give him credit where credit's due. It was a great goal, and also the second one again. The run, it's 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 a great run into the box for a right back to be making. And who'd have thought? You know, even a year ago, you'd see Sam Long scoring goals like that. It's just, it's he's come on leaps and bounds this season, and he is well deserved of his three year contract that he got, definitely. And also, yeah. just you know, just to say, what a result yesterday was, really. You know, what a, what a fantastic comeback, and it's it's kind of reinvigorated my perspective from from the last podcast. You know, just over a week ago, where I was quite negative and thought, you know, the season's probably over and done with. But um, to see a performance like that in the last 20 minutes has kind of put a spring back in my step a little bit. Cause yes, the, the two games previously were fantastic, great results, but to go back and have that desire to, to win that game of football yesterday is, is, you know, really promising for the next, next what four games left. So yeah. yeah, I think, I think that's a massive, massive confidence booster for them. Um, Connor and John, did you enjoy the footage of me, Jack and Ben, amongst others, um, yes. celebrating the final goal? <laughs> yeah, definitely. It was I great. Was, I wish um, I was part of it. Smiled every time I watched it, probably about 15 times. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, no, I, think, I think Wayne Brown enjoyed it as well, didn't he? And Stevie Kinnebrough. Oh, it's just, uh, I'm, I'm, do you know what? Like, I, I didn't switch that kind of background recording on until right towards the end. I was like, just in case, I'll just whack it on. <laughs> and then um, not oh, expecting that, but that's unbelievable. Um, yeah, so obviously we win that 3-2. Evans, after the game, as you said, just chucked all his team under the bus. Um, they're kind of out <laughs> of the pit- picture now, six six points behind, and we're obviously flying into the playoff places. Um when you look across League One and what that then means, so obviously we you know, won the last three games, we're in there um, on goal difference. And obviously the last few games have made a massive difference to that. And that's the reason why we're there over Portsmouth. Um, 
like Ben looking at the results over the last weekend and stuff and thinking about the running, I think I put the graphic that we've been sharing on Twitter somewhere in our notes today. What what are you kind of thinking in terms of like how this might pan out? And who <laughs> do you think we just got to worry about what we're doing? I think that's the the best approach is if we either win all our games or you know win three of them, that's that's all we can do. Because um, you look at the table and, and everyone's got games in hand around us, and you can start to get carried away. But they are games in hand; they're not guaranteed three points. And a lot of the teams have still got to play each other in and around us. And I think that's the crucial thing. Some of the games in hand are, I think Lincoln, Charlton and Sunderland have just got to play Blackpool again. That's it, yeah. Big games. I think if you've almost got to ignore that table and just go, right, we need to win three of the next four games and see where we're at. If we win all four, great. But I think we've just got to take each game almost as a the proverbial cup finals now. Why, why mm. do teams like Accrington beat us and then just decide to... Sh- shit themselves everywhere and get smashed <laughs> and like even 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 Sunderland like Sunderland beat us yeah. and then they've drawn this, one and lost three since. yeah yeah I think Blackpool are, are one of those teams that I, I think they might go on to secure a spot I think they're on a really good run at the moment and I'd be surprised if they let that slip um just just yeah. as a just as a kind of throwback to the beginning of the podcast doesn't it look lovely that 24th position Oh. oh yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> they're down. I, they're down, aren't they? Really? Like, I don't yeah. think they're getting out of this. No, they're not. And as much as I no. love a derby what? day, uh, I still quite like the idea of them going down. It's just, it's just weird of... seeing the table looking like relatively like it should. I mean, I think only Fleetwood are probably majorly out of position, and perhaps Lincoln you'd have expected before the start of the season, but everyone else. Yeah. It's pretty much. How many weeks did we go by going? How are X team up where they should be? Now it actually mm. looks like a proper league table. It's, it's yeah. so weird. Yeah, it's funny how it it comes around like this. I mean, especially the beginning of the season again, where we were bottom, you know, down the bottom in the relegation zone for so long. Because this is the problem with us, and we've always said, it, haven't we, that under KR we've always seemed to have a really poor start to the season, and sometimes it comes back to bite us on the ass. And I, you know, I hope it doesn't happen this season. I hope we do creep into the playoffs now, but. Um, like Ben said, it's it's in our hands, really. We need to stop worrying about the other teams around us because they, they might have games in hand. But it's important that we focus on what what we can do. And like I say, if we if we pick up nine points, I think for the for the remaining games, then I I think we'll we'll squeeze in there. Portsmouth have yeah. had some pretty demoralising, in my mind, losses recently. Lost to MK Burton and drawn with Crew. They're a bit wobbly, and the Cowley new bounce. Maybe that's worn off. Charlton, I think, are the worrying ones because they've won some big games recently and they've only just had a new manager in Nigel Adkins. So they're looking pretty pretty powerful. But um, yeah, it's it's um, <laughs> it's not over, is it? Yeah. Um, Jack, what do you, I know you were saying like you think we're, it's all kind of been we're playing for sixth spot rather than anything else at this stage. Do you think that's still the case? And looking at the running, is there anyone else that you're concerned about? Because on paper, we've got... I think it's us and Ipswich that potentially have the best run-ins on paper. I was just looking. Blackpool's game in hand, game in hand, two games in hand are Sunderland away and Doncaster at home. If they don't get anything out of that Sunderland game, then arguably you're probably playing for two places. If they were to get something out of the Sunderland game, it's, it's probably one. Um, 
Charlton playing Lincoln, like Ben said, is huge because that means both of them aren't getting a full full set of points. Um, but I think you've got to take it game by game. I mean, Wimbledon next up, who are a bit of a... I think they're quite direct and they've got an exciting winger, young winger at the minute. But we've just got to take it game by game. It's going to change so much. Winning winning one, losing one, you know, Portsmouth might win two. Then it's... You can't predict it. And with, with the games in hand as well, I think if we're, if we're in, in with a shout going into the last game, then happy days. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, what's good is that Wimbledon have got a game in hand on most of the teams underneath them. They're five points clear of the drop zone. So hopefully that is that works in our favour in a sense. And just going on to preview them, they're, what is interesting, they're in the best form of the season. Um, looking ahead at Tuesday for them. So they haven't won three games in a row until now. They always do this. They always do this. <laughs> yeah. But they beat Accrington 5-1 away, as per you know my reference to Accrington's form after playing us. Um, then they beat Ipswich 3-0 at home. And then they beat um, Swindon 4-1. So what? They scored 12 goals in three games. I was, I I was mean, lo- we- looking as well. So they've only won six at home all season, but three of them have been in their last four home games. Like they, they do, as John said, every season they get off to a horrendous start and then sack the manager about February time, new bloke comes in and pulls them clear. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting and a really hard one to call, um, be it that they're on that run. And we all know they've got a decent striker, Joe Piggott, who knows where the goal is. Um, what we said the other day, feed the pig and he will score or something. There you go. Um, interesting contrast in Pigger with Matty Taylor, like very close in terms of minutes on pitch versus goal return. They're almost identical. Like um, Joe Pigger was 0.45 goals per 90 minutes and Matty Taylor was 0.46. So actually better. Um, I, I guess that's probably because Piggott's playing more 90 minutes than Matty Taylor is, I imagine. Um, but there you go. So what what are you boys thinking for Wimbledon? If we had to predict, I'm just going to say a draw, which makes me sad, but that's what I'm going with. Connor. I was just about to call you a bottle job. Um, I think we'll I think we'll nick it, but I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be quite scrappy, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think it will be a high-scoring game like the, the previous three games have been. I'm going to go with a 2-1 win. Ben? Yeah, I'm the same. I think it's 2-1. I think it's it's going to be one of those games, last half an hour, it's going to be really nerve-wracking to watch. I think by the end, we'll probably be hanging on. It'll be one of those end-of-season games where you're in the lead, you just do anything to stop them from scoring. Yeah, But I think we will nick yeah. it. And Jack, again, they've scored 12 goals in the last three. Do you think we'll keep them out? They're another side of a big bloke up front. So they've got obviously Pickett scores goals, but they've got Ollie Palmer, who's a bit of the, the target man, kind of hoof it in and t- t- win the second ball. Um, at any other stage of the season, you'd probably say take a point away at Wimbledon because it'll be a bit, you know, up and at them. But I think we need to win to put keep the pressure on everyone else. Everyone else has, on paper, relatively straightforward games. Um we might be needing Swindon to do us a favour, which we don't say very often. So I think we will nick it. I think we'll go kitchen sink and nick it. I'm going to ask John, just before you give us your prediction, John, do you want uh, Portsmouth to beat Swindon or do you want Swindon to beat Portsmouth in their next game? 
think we've got to do what you need to do. So Swindon can, uh, I think we need them to, them to get our, get on and do something useful. Really? <laughs> oh, I'm not sure. But I know what you mean. Anyway, what do you reckon about Wimbledon on Tuesday? Oh, it's a, it's a really... I wish it was in a couple of games' time when Wimbledon might have a better idea where they're going to be. I really hope... I hope someone like Sykes is fit again because I think we'll need some legs. I think it's going to be... We've got a not bad record there, if memory serves, um, in recent times. I think I could see it being a draw and everyone getting a bit nervy because but then the three games after that, I think a minimum wins because they're all teams that, to put it earlier, are on the beach. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I really don't want to say a draw, but it, it's sort of it's the most difficult one by far. For sure. And we won't bother talking about Plymouth now. Wrap up in a sec. Um, but yeah, Plymouth, like you say, haven't got much to play for. We're playing them at home after this. Shrewsbury, obviously, we've had a decent result against them. They've got nothing to play for. Burton are obviously pretty rampant, or at least their form has been pretty good um, considering where they started the season. Um, that's what was your thing about Plymouth? Yeah. That like, what was the thing you pointed out about Plymouth? That if they hadn't done something, they'd be twenty third or something like that. Was that you that pointed um, out? No, I think I was saying that I, it was actually about. Um, no, I think it was Wimbledon. Actually, it was like if you took away the twelve goals Wimbledon scored in the last three games, they were second from bottom oh, yeah. in terms of goals scored. So they've only just, even with Piggott getting all the goals he's been getting, they don't put the ball in the back of the net too much. But then they've decided to sort that out just before they play us, which is great. <laughs> um, yeah, let's not worry about those future games, but we just take it game game by game. Hopefully it's going to be positive and we can all be happy. Um, but we'll have to see. Uh, I think we'll leave it there though, boys. Just over an hour. Jax, you've got a shoot. Are you doing anything exciting? No. <laughs> let's, let's leave it there. He's just bored of this, yeah. I'll leave him in suspense. Too, ner- oh. too nervous to uh, keep talking. That's a cliffhanger for the right. next pod, though. What did Jack do? Yeah, what did Jack do? We'll find out on the next Manor podcast. Right. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. There's no one to wish a happy birthday to. Should we do another test? I don't think there is another test. Just no, keep listening. Please, nobody wish else. anyone a happy birthday if you've got this far. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Nah, everyone right. should uh, predict what Jack's about to go and do. Yeah, yeah, do that. What is Jack doing after the pod? Keep it clean, then. Anyway, keep it clean. <laughs> <laughs> see you later. <laughs>